Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright. We'd like to welcome our guest today, Ted Parkhill, CEO of Incline Investment Management. He speaks to us from their headquarters in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Ted, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks very much, Charlie. I'm glad to be here. So, Ted, Incline offers a unique strategy, and it's designed to be non-correlated with the S&P 500. It consists of two completely separate engines of investments. So provide a brief background for us of Incline, will you? Sure, I appreciate that. And uh, you're right. It, we do uh, have two uh, what we call alpha engines in our program. The program, the strategy, we call the systematic hybrid, and it's a hybrid because, like the car, we have two engines. And we felt when we were building this is that the world didn't need another managed future strategy. Um, and, and yet what most investors really needed was more diversification. Sometimes they don't always know that, but if they learned any lessons from the 08, they realized that it pays to have diversification. Of course, in a massive bull run like we've seen in the last uh, few years, it actually costs you to be diversified. But there will come a time again when uh, diversification makes sense for, for all investors. And that's what we, where we come in. We Our systematic hybrid strategy offers a systematic engine trading individual equities and a systematic engine trading over 70 different global futures markets. Okay, so you're in both the equity markets and you're in managed futures. You combine those two for your strategy. Is that it? Yes, that's right. And, and it's that combination that has proved to be effective in the sense that our, we're, we're hitting our objectives of, of delivering that non-correlated performance that you mentioned. You know, uh, Ted, one of our favorite sayings on this show is that in a bear market, the only thing that goes up is correlation. <laughs> that's a great line and, and, and very true. And yet, that's, you know, the, 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 there's truth in it. And sort of the underlying piece to that is that's why having non-correlated diversification makes sense is because when times, when, uh, when times go, so let's say, awry, you're, you're very pleased to have something performing in a different manner. That's so, the key. So let's drill down a little bit here, Ted. Uh, talk to us about the hedge or, or the equity position with a hedge. Well, we on our equity engine, we did it a little bit differently because, and to the layman, I would call it long-short equity. Not everyone knows what that means, but if you've been in the business any length of time, you have some degree of, of understanding what long-short equity means. Long-short equity managers are taking long positions in the individual names and shorting individual names depending on, on how they, what their, their, their system is. Right. For us, we didn't figure out the sort of utopian solution for, for shorting the individual names. And we would suggest, maybe even argue, that most long-short equity managers haven't figured it out either. Hence, most long-short equity managers are net long. For us, we realized the opportunity set, you know, existed in taking long positions in individual names, but having a protective piece on the downside. And the way we designed that was we have... A, uh, and then the reason we can do it is because of our ex- experience and expertise in, in futures. We take a short position 
on the index to offset the long exposure and ultimately ending up providing a hedge against any downturn. So in the net effect in our equity portfolio is we can end up being net short. And, and to us, that just made complete sense. If there is a market downturn, why not protect ourselves on, on the downside? Okay, so let's drill down a little bit. In your equity, in your long positions, are these individual stocks? They are, yes. And how are you selecting them? Fundamental analysis, uh, technical analysis, trend-following kinds of things? How do you select them? Great question, Charlie. The way we're looking at it is we've applied our trend-following experience to the trading on the individual uh, equity side. So we are looking at it's, it's all systematic. We are not looking at the fundamentals. And we've applied the, the philosophy even further. We have... In the managed futures space, this is very common to have a stop on every single trade. Right. So in every single equity trade, we have a stop predetermined as we take the position. And, and so we know exactly how much money is at risk on every single trade. That is not common in the, in the, the sort of the traditional equity space. Okay. And so about how many positions do you have typically in your long position? Ah, good question. We anywhere from maybe five individual stocks to maybe twenty-five, maybe as high as thirty. And are you looking for momentum on a like a three-week basis kind of thing? So you're in and out fairly quickly, or is this longer term? It is longer term. I'd say depending on on your perspective. So I, I like to characterize as medium to long term. We will stay in the, the position for as long as the, the the trend or the directional move lasts. We are looking for upward moves because we're long in, in the individual names. So we'll stick with it. The way we identify the opportunity set is that we're looking for high relative strength. So we are looking for momentum in the individual names. We're looking for what I would say is a sort of high beta, stocks that are moving faster than the market. And the reason for that is because we are trying to spot the opportunities. We're trying to identify the stocks that will actually continue to move. And to us, that makes makes sense and, and that's how we designed it yeah but but ted as we those of us who have done that, that that kind of trading we know that you can get one signal for the next three weeks a different signal for the next three months and a different signal for the next nine months so what kind of time frames do you really like to look at well we look at sort of uh weeks to months not for a very long period of time so we're looking at anything that's been moving for the past few weeks we will we will uh it, it will meet our screens and so uh we don't get more specific than that in in, in general but that's that's how we, how we do it and, and and the way we are looking for the individual names the way we just summarize it is high relative strength okay and how do you determine what portion of the portfolio should be devoted to longs and what portion should be devoted to the shorting of the s&p 500 in the futures market well that it depends the answer is on the 50 percent first of all let me state that the the portfolio split the two engines is static so it is a 50 50 split so it's 50% dedicated to the equity trading and 50% dedicated to the futures trading. On the equity side, it can be uh, 100% of that half in full long positions. There may be there may be a period of time where there's no hedge in place. So it's it's 100% long. And how do you and determine that? Well, that's determined by the, the, the state of the market overall. And so our algorithm uh, 
calculates whether the, the market is, is strong or whether it's in the bull phase or whether it starts turning bearish. When that happens, our system will then identify that things have changed and will add in, uh, the, the, the hedge will kick in, and that's why we call it the hedge. So there is a possibility for the, the portfolio to end up being market neutral for a period of time or close to being market neutral because the hedge will offset the long exposure. If the market starts to drift down, uh, then what ends up happening is the individual names will end up either getting scaled out or stopped out. And then the hedge ends up becoming an overall net short position in that half of the portfolio. So what do you find, Ted, to be the biggest challenge in this? Is it finding the good long positions? Is it putting on the uh, the short hedge of uh, the S&P 500 in the futures market at the right time? Is it calling the overall market direction? What's the biggest challenge? The, the biggest challenge, as you hit it on the head, is, is absolutely making sure that these trends in the individual stocks that we're choosing last as long as we hope they will. The reason, you know, one of the things, because we've put a stop on, we know how much money we'll lose on every single trade. So it is possible for us to die the death of a thousand fork wounds because we get chipped away. However, in this massive bull run, we haven't seen the, 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 the second scenario that you mentioned was uh, the, the hedge. We haven't really had the hedge kick in. We, we, we haven't, by design, it's ready to go. But we haven't really had to utilize it because of the market environment we've been in, where we are confident that it will start to work is when things do start to turn around. And we're getting more and more interest in a strategy like ours because advisors and investors are starting to get worried given the market environment we're in and the social, the economic, political environment we're in. Okay, so uh, so back to the hedge here, uh, Ted. Um, have you been able to call it fairly accurately? Uh, you know, in in the basic bull market we've had over the past several years. Uh, yes, the the uh, equity component has been a contributing factor for our um, our performance, um, as as you, Charlie are probably well know the the managed futures space is it's been a difficult time for most of the systematic futures guys in in the space and our futures component has had choppy performance over the last five years that is no surprise to us given the, the nature of the markets we've seen we have not witnessed sustained uh trends in the in, in across the board where there's sort of been the opportunity to, to sort of uh, reap the reward of, of trading those markets. So our performance has definitely been uh, equity-driven, Okay. Which to us is, is a testament to why the portfolio made sense in the first place. Yeah. And so do people, uh, the, the, the investors, are they able to see how each of the two components, the uh, managed futures and the equity hedge and with hedge, do they see how each one of those has performed recently, or do you just combine them both and they just see uh, one performance record? Yeah, we don't break down the attribution by engine. We actually do combine it as, as one portfolio because we look at it as one portfolio. 
Okay, okay. You know, we need to take a quick break. This is very interesting stuff here, Ted. You guys are going to be con- are to be congratulated for uh, putting together things that I haven't seen put together uh, in in a single combination uh, before. So again, uh, we're talking with Ted Parkhill, CEO of Incline Investment Management from Lake Tahoe, Nevada. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. Every enterprise has a list of the companies they most want to sell to. And contact marketing gives you everything you need to break through. But how do you actually put it to use? That's easy. Sign up for NASP's The Power of Contact Marketing, a new behavioral program created with Stu Hynek, the best-selling author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone. It's a simple 20 minutes a day, 30-day challenge that will help you reach anyone you want and transform you into a selling machine and a force to be reckoned with. Visit NASP.com today. That's NASP.com. All right, back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Ted Parkhill, CEO of Incline Investment Management. So, Ted, we talked about the equity plus hedge. Let's talk about the managed futures. Is it a typical trend-following managed futures uh, kind of strategy? Well, I would characterize it as more traditional, <laughs> and uh, the answer would then, therefore would be yes. Uh, we are trading over 70 global futures markets in the six main sectors, and the reason we do that is to really find the opportunity, find the markets that will be moving. At any one time, we often confuse investors by saying, oh, we trade 70 different markets. Well, we're not trading them all the time. It's a, a universe, a uh, set of 70 markets. So we may have exposure positions in, again, 5 to 25 of those 70 markets, but we have to wait for conditions to be right. We have to wait for a directional move. As we like to say, we're directionally agnostic. We're, if if the if this particular market is going up, we'll be long. If a particular market is going down, we'll be short. Um, and of those 70 markets, we, we're trading the, what I call the six main sectors of the futures space. The, we're trading the uh, commodities, which include the uh, metals, energy, and commodity uh, agricultural commodity markets. And then we're trading the financial futures markets as well. We're trading the uh, currency markets, the fixed income markets, and the stock index markets around the world. And it's that exposure that ultimately provides and, and adds value to our portfolio because most investors here in the U.S. don't have exposure to the markets that we're trading. And that is a contributing factor for us in delivering the non-correlated performance. So, Ted, let's talk about the elephant in the room here, okay, on managed futures. Managed futures for five out of the last six years have performed very disappointingly. In fact, the managed futures program that I use uh, is either the best or among the best performing of all managed futures, and it is almost exactly flat to where it was five years ago. So what do you see that you guys are able to do and to see moving forward that others have not seen in the past few years? Well, part of it is belief in how these markets work. I drank the Kool-Aid years and years ago working for a gentleman named John Henry. John was one of the original managed futures traders, uh, one of the original CTAs in the space. And... 
what what was refreshing for me from a you know sort of an investment standpoint was I worked with a lot of portfolio managers in my career, and they paid a lot of money to have an opinion. And at the end of the day, all it was was an opinion. They didn't have a better crystal ball than anyone else. And so what I came to believe, and I've seen since in a number of instances, is that markets, people can't help themselves, and people behave like people. So there is an element to sort of be, the behavioral economics uh, to, to all but what we do. And, and markets do trend. Why? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons that we probably don't have time to go into today, but they do, unquestionably, they do trend. And the, the, the technique that we employ is to try and take advantage of those trends in the marketplace. What we can't do is manufacture trends. We cannot manufacture profits because of it then. So if we get a false signal and we get reversed against, we will take that predetermined loss on that particular trade. And, it, and the, 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 what I mentioned earlier with the equity trading is that we, can, we, we get chopped up. And what's been happening to the managed future space in general is that we've seen a lot of short-term volatility that doesn't lend itself well to long-term trend following, which is primarily most of the space. And so the reason, as I mentioned earlier, we didn't create just your traditional uh, managed futures strategy was because we know that the periods of time that can, this can happen. That's why we combi- combined it and created our systematic hybrid strategy, because we knew that we wanted to take advantage of the, of the trends in the equity space at the same time. And that's w- why ours is working when uh, many of the managed futures guys are getting chopped up. Our futures portfolio, though, in, in full disclosure, is not immune to this short-term choppiness. We, too, have suffered from that. But what I do know and what I've seen before over and over again is these things do tend to be cyclical, and we're going to see another period of time when some of these markets trend, and they trend dramatically. We and, and others in the space will have this opportunity to capture those, those moves. And when we do, it's, it's, it's going to be good for all. Um, and especially, you know, the, the investors that have this exposure, it's, they're going to be happy they did. I, I certainly hope you're right, Ted. <laughs> well, I can give you an example, Charlie, and, and that is, you know, I like to use the sort of the, a, a P&L example. You know, we like to say, uh, these are averages, so take this with a grain of salt, but we make money in about 60% of our trades. If we make money a dollar per trade, okay, or we, excuse me, if we lose money on 60 of those trades, so we lose $60, what we try to do with the remaining 40 trades, we try to make $2. So we gross 80 we lost 60, we net 20. That's sort of the simple math of how these strategies work. People say, oh, well, it must be broken if, if you're flat. Well, no. It's not because the managers are losing more money. In our case, you know, we, we would be uh, still losing the $60 uh, on the 60 trades, but on the remaining 40 trades, we might only be making $1.50, not the $2 target. And, and so we're net flat. If you follow the math, forty yeah. is a dollar fifty is sixty, and so it's not that the systems are broken; it's that the opportunities in the markets are are not there for the traders to capture. And so, Charlie, I agree. I hope I'm right. But what I've seen over and over again is the cyclicality of these markets, and and the, because we trade so many different global markets, it doesn't just happen to happen have to happen here domestically. So many of us wear our domestic U.S.-centric hats when we're investing. And what we don't 
sometimes we fail to recognize is the opportunity set in the rest of the world. And that's why we trade all of the markets we trade. Okay, so so let's combine these two here and uh, look at your uh, systematic hybrid here. Okay, why do you find that your equity plus the hedge in, in combination with the managed futures is a good combination for non-correlation to the S&P 500? Okay, I think I can handle that. Is is that it's the combination that that works? We're because we're trading all the futures markets. We're trading. We can provide sort of non-correlated or I should exposure that has nothing to do with the performance of the S and P, and and the fact that we can go short if and when needed in our equity sleeve or equity engine, as we call it. We also stand a fantastic chance of providing it. Well, ultimately. Uh, negative correlation when the markets tank, if and when they do. So the, the combined net result, our objective is to deliver non-correlation. We believe, you know, in sort of the, the, the classic modern portfolio theory that, that non-correlated results do add overall benefit to an investor's portfolio because it's typically different from everything else they own. If they already have a classic 60-40 or even an 80-20 weighted on the equity side, Having exposure to a, a, a strategy like ours will have overall benefit to their portfolio, lowering risk and increasing return, ultimately. Okay. Ted, uh, let's talk for just a minute on uh, the focus of, uh, of your marketing, okay? Do you have individual clients uh, that you guys work with, and are you seeking those, or do you work just with advisors? Do you work with hedge funds? Uh, whom are you looking to talk to more of here? Well, we love to talk to individual investors, and, and the answer to the question is yes, absolutely. The bulk of our clientele are individual investors, and those enlightened investors that realize that uh, you know the benefit of having exposure to non-correlation is a good thing, those are the ones that typically come to us, and so we, we, we do well because they, 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 they benefit from having this exposure. We also have started to uh, target the registered investment advisors, what we call the independent advisors. And the reason we think that would make sense is that a lot of advisors, in fact, are coming to us to saying, you know, what do we do if things change? We don't know if this bull is going to last another year or two years or, or end tomorrow. And so what we try and, 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 and do is, is talk to those uh, advisors to explain to them the, the, the benefits of our uh, having exposure to a strategy like ours. Um, and so we're seeing that's where the, the – and, and furthermore, Charlie, you and I both know that's where the money is these days. The broker-dealer's uh, model is uh, – I'm, I'm wondering how long it can last. Uh, I think more and more investors are looking to their advisors you know, to say, hey, look, you know, fee-only – manage the holistic part, the transactional model, I'm, I'm wondering how long it'll last. Well, uh, today is actually June 9th, and it is the implementation of the uh, DOL fiduciary rule. So uh, that's going to very possibly be the death knell of uh, many, many uh, BDs. So no question about it to uh, focus on that. Do you focus on the institutional market or the retail market? It sounds like it's the retail market. More so the retail market because the institutional market, primarily because our size, we're still small. We'd be considered an emerging manager. 
we think that's to our advantage for a long time to come because we're nimble enough to trade up more markets than some of the big players. Some of the big players in our space can only trade the financials. They can't trade some of the smaller commodity markets that we trade. So we have that advantage. Um, we do not target the institutional market uh, primarily because they have – it's a whole process thing. I don't know if we have time to get into it, but you know, think of it if you're an employee of a big institution, you've got sort of a CYA policy in, in place, and you're not looking for uh, emerging managers. You're looking for you know, brand names that, that uh, you're going to keep your job with and, and not have to explain anything uh, to your board of trustees, et cetera, et cetera. So our target, we think our best uh, chance of success is, is directly with the individual investors and with the RIA space. I kind of like the old saying, nobody ever got fired for hiring IBM. Uh, right. You know, yeah. That, okay. That's a great way to put it. Uh, so, Ted, um, a question we like to ask all of, our, all of our guests. So what keeps you awake at night? Well, you know, the beautiful part about being a systematic manager is I sleep well. And, and that's, maybe not be the answer you're looking for, Charlie, but that's the, I mean, that's the whole point of being systematic, is that we don't worry, is that we are following our, our, the moves of the markets in which we're trading. And the other key aspect of what we do is having a stop on every trade. I don't worry about that next trade. I'm not worried about massive losses. And in fact, I don't even worry about the trade going against us because it's statistically just one more trade. What keeps me awake, though, to directly answer the question is, is some of the business challenges I face and the and opportunities, just the, the amount of, of opportunity that we think that exists for us because more and more investors really do need this exposure, whether they know it or not yet. Uh, I think ha- you know, preparing for the future, preparing for the, you know, the, the possible outcome of a downturn in the marketplace, you know, I've got to be ready. I've got to gear up and, and be ready. And, and so those are the kind of the challenges that I think of, of late at night. Okay, Ted, appreciate that. And the second question we ask all of our guests, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? I recommend this to any of the young people. Uh, I, I also teach an investment class locally here in, in, uh, in Tao. And to all those that have an interest in what we do in sort of systematic trading, I think the standard, the gold standard in our, our business is, is Michael Cavell's trend following. I, I think it's a great place to start. It's well written. It's it's there's a lot of content about some of the original players, some of the new players, um, and it really gives a good overview to our space. You know, we've had that book uh, recommended uh, in our 200 plus interviews several times here, uh, and I and I read it years ago, Ted, and no question about it, an uh, excellent piece. Michael's just put out his fifth edition. So That's what I've heard. Yeah, more recently, so yeah. definitely try and pick up the latest uh, edition if you can. Yeah. So, Ted, uh, provide your website and contact information for those who would like to know more. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, our um, contact information is uh, my email is easy. It's tparkill at incline.im.com. Our website is similar. It's www.incline.im.com. That's India Mary for investment management. We're based in Incline Village in, in uh, the north shore of Lake Tahoe in Nevada. And uh, would love to, to have anybody call us that have, may have an interest in what we do. Okay, so final words for our listeners here, Ted. Well, I think that the, going forward, it's going to be really important to make sure that your portfolio has insulation. I think that going forward, it's very uncertain to what could happen. 
We don't know what could happen in Washington next. We don't know what could happen globally. And so as you're re- evaluating your exposure to the markets, I think it's really important going forward to have, you know, non-correlated exposure. Um, you know, that course that's self-interest in me, it's kind of like asking the, the, the barber if you need a haircut. But I really do. I believe that, that if you have a, an investment portfolio, uh, you definitely want to have diversification and even better if it's that non-correlated diversification. And if that, that's of interest, you should definitely uh, give me a call. You know, Ted, for a Canadian, you've learned to speak English very well. When in South, I try to blend in well. You know, when in Rome, I, I try to blend in. I think I do an okay job. Uh, you, you do a, a superb job here. So, Ted, thank you very much for joining us today. Very interesting. And uh, our best wishes uh, for Incline Investment Management uh, continuing to do well here. Thank you very much, Charlie. I appreciate the opportunity. And, uh, and, and like I said, anybody can give us a call if, they're ha- if they have an interest. Again, we've been talking with Ted Parkhill, CEO of Incline Investment Management out of uh, Lake Tahoe, Nevada. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. And we'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you all an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. 